if you can nail all these seven things, you're going to get one thing from your clients, which is going to be trust. Totally. My name is Parker Bennett, and I've spent the last 20 years helping people through the process of their largest single investment they may ever make, their home. From building inspector to real estate agent, I've chalked up a number of great experiences and strategies for everything related to the home buying experience. This podcast is dedicated to anything and everything around the Kamloops real estate market. Welcome to the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast. Hey, welcome everybody to the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast. I am your host, Parker Bennett from Royal Page Westman Realty, and I'm joined by Mally J, the layperson. <laughs> I don't know about the layperson. It's true. I'm like the non-realtor. I'm here. We got to come up with a better name because I don't like layperson because you're getting more like vibe on this podcast than I am. (laughs) I'm just like the backup dancers here. (laughs) Well, I don't know if that's true. I'm okay. Well, for one, I work as your assistant. So I'm like here. I know what's going on, but I'm not a... I'm not a licensed realtor. I'm learning things every day about real estate. So I'm here to represent the every the every person. Let's call it instead of lay person, I'm every person. You're every person. Yeah. Okay. All encompassing. Well, I'm waiting for the call that's coming in that's going to be, hey, uh, Parker, nice to meet you. I listened to your podcast and I was just wondering if Mallory could show me some houses this weekend <laughs> if she's available. Because we really like her. Oh, no. Oh, someday. <laughs> no, I love it. It's it won't awesome. Happen. You're the fan favorite. I appreciate you. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, on this week's edition of the Camelot Insider, I thought we would talk about uh, characteristics that made for a great real estate agent. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to asterisk this. I'm going to say that this is just my opinion. Mm-hmm. And um, I also want to say that this is for our area. Okay. Because I, I, I am a, I can see that there would be value of being a very different agent in a different market. Hundred percent with different conditions. Yeah, and it, you might have to be more aggressive. You might have to be more forthright. You mm-hmm. might have to be a little more salesy. Mm-hmm. Anyways, these are my top seven uh, characteristic traits that I, I think make up a good real estate agent in Kamloops and region. In Kamloops, in this region, at this point in time. Got it. Twenty twenty three, February. <laughs> Subject to change. (laughs) Subject to change when the market starts to get rocking. Right. It could do. It's going to get rocking. This end of spring, we're going to get rocking. Change is the only constant. So, Okay, you ready? Drum roll. Okay. Dive in. Okay, number one. uh, And these are in no particular order. I'm just going to read them out Mm -hmm. um, as I wrote them down. I think strong communication skills are a very valuable asset as a real estate agent Mm -hmm. for a number of reasons. Yeah. I think we can all agree that we communicate different. You and I, well, I or everybody. everybody does. Yes, everybody. Yeah. We, well, we do. We can, you and I, com- yeah, communicate very differently. Yeah, <laughs> but I think you're right. Like everyone puts out information differently, and everyone takes in information differently. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so, being a real estate agent, I think you have to be aware of problems that can come from not communicating appropriately. Mm-hmm. So there are times where I have a very mechanical brain, and when I talk to clients about mechanical or structural things, I might be a little jargony. Mm -hmm. I might, um, even when I'm just discussing negotiation tactics or whatever, I still, I still think in a very mechanical sense, Mm -hmm. I have like pieces that need to work for other people, like a Rubik's cube. (laughs) I just want to spin it right all there. There's a couple other movements that need to happen before that takes place. And I am, I'm aware that that doesn't work for everybody on a communication level. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a really intelligent skill, not only to just be practicing communication skills, but to try and understand when you are communicating with somebody, you know, are they picking up what I'm putting down? Are they are going to need to communicate on a different level? And I think that's honestly great advice for every profession. But in terms of real estate, you're dealing with clients, you're communicating with other realtors and other professions related to mortgage brokers, lenders, home inspectors. Like it's not even like one transaction. You might be communicating with a 
whole wealth of people and you have to sort of adapt differently because it can be sensitive topics. These are huge, you know, buying a house or selling a house. It's a big chapter and might take, yeah, for some clients, maybe a little hand-holding or, or yeah. being a little more tender or some people can get right into the money talk and, and sure. without with no sweat. So um, reading the room. It's also a very emotional process for a buyer or seller, but it's mm. less emotional for a real estate agent. So when you click on the emotional button, you probably change the way you pick up and put out information mm-hmm. into the world. Yeah, And I think that you know, as a real estate agent, we're a little disconnected from the emotional side, although we can read emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a, a spot there where you need to be able to try to adjust for particular people in particular circumstances. I agree. And, and, but without sacrificing authenticity or being genuine, like it's not a, a mask of somebody else you're putting on. It's just um, choosing the right way to communicate. 100%. Yeah. Good I job. agree. Good job. <laughs> um, Market knowledge <laughs> and product knowledge. This is the second trait? Yeah. Okay. Two different, well, this is why you're on the show. <laughs> I'm every person. Reeling me back into reality here. <laughs> yes, the second trait. Okay. Uh, product knowledge and market knowledge. Those are two sub-categories. Sub okay. Um, market knowledge because the market is ever-changing in real estate. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, not just... What is the median house price? What is the average house price? What are the days on the market? Mm-hmm. But understanding a townhouse with three bedrooms and two baths today could be a very different circumstance in six days because oh. you might be the only one on the market. Oh, yeah. And in six days, there might be seven. Right. And you'd be competing. Yep. So, like, it is a very up to the minute market data analysis going. Like forward in your, your process of purchasing and selling, yeah. And like so, you have to like have your finger on the pulse in more ways than one. Then you, you cannot sleep in this industry. <laughs> you you got to be reading the data every day. Mm-hmm. And if you have a client who is looking for a very specific something, and they're thinking because the market is maybe a little bit slower that they can go in a little more aggressively with their pricing. Mm-hmm. But what if that's the only one of those specific somethings that's on the market? And there might be a few people looking at them. Right. So even in a little duller, slower market, kind of the pace that we're in right now in this early part of spring, it's really winter, but call it a spring market, <laughs> is that if there is a house with, I'm just going to pick something just to so I can use it as an example, but let's say there is a house with a basement suite, and maybe that basement suite has two bedrooms down and it's got three bedrooms up and it's got a detached shop. Mm-hmm. And that is the only one of its kind currently in the market, maybe under a million bucks. And the market seems to be soft. So a buyer might come in and say, Hey, listen, I want to come in really low aggressive on this. And you know, we should have all kinds of time to negotiate because the ball's in our court. We're the buyer and buyer. It's a buyer's market. Mm-hmm. But if that's the only one of those on the market, there could be a second buyer bouncing around, yeah. kicking up dirt too, right? Yeah, and it would definitely be the you're, like the realtor's job to make sure that their buyer knows what um, what to expect, what to expect, and, and how to what, be prepared for it. Too. What's competing in that marketplace? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So information is power. Information is data. Power. Data facts, and we have access to that stuff. Now let's asterisk that for a minute, because <laughs> if you've been watching the data that realtors have been public publicly putting on their social feeds for the last <laughs> eight months. Yeah. There's been a problem with the data that's coming in from our district. Uh-huh. Because we've recently amalgamated from the Kamloops and Real Estate District to the Interior District. Um, in that process, there's something communicating incorrectly. Mm-hmm. And the stats that we're getting for uh, available homes on the market, active listings, is incorrect. It's like... Way incorrect or slightly It is inc- very askew. much incorrect. Ew. For example, this morning, there's 924 active listings at Kamloops. Mm-hmm. Which you know to be true. Fact. Fact. That is fact. Yeah. And when I looked at the January stats, mm-hmm. that number, I, I mean, I checked it on the 1st of February. Mm-hmm. That number was not much different than what it is right now. They were saying that there was like thirteen or 1,400 active listings. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So that changes the data like 
that changes it drastically. Yeah, sure does. So be careful, yeah, realtors. And I, I, it wasn't me who located this glitch in the <laughs> system. It was another uh, agent in our office, and thank goodness he shared that wealth of information with me. And when we fact-checked it, he was absolutely correct. Yeah. So keep an eye on statistical data for that very purpose. Yeah. Let's go into product knowledge. Trait number three, or no? This, this is, is still sub trait number two. I understand. Two B. <laughs> sub trait number two. Um, understanding features of a home. So I'll give you an example. There are two homes side by side, and they're for sale. Mm-hmm. They're both basement entry. They have the exact same square footage. One is being operated electrically on heat. Mm-hmm. One is being uh, one has a forced air furnace with natural gas feeding it. Okay. Those have two different evaluations. Heating your home with electricity could be very expensive. And I believe that one day heating your home with natural gas is going to be more expensive than electricity, but at least in the foreseeable future, there is a big gap in that home's feature. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe it doesn't have the ability to clean the air. Like with forced air furnaces, you have the ability to filter your air. Okay. And you don't have the ability to put central air conditioning in your home with electric heat. Huh. So that might be something that is not so obvious on a nice tour through a beautiful home. Mm-hmm. And that's maybe just one feature that you should look out for. Right. So uh, relating this back to traits and information, it's about like... Product knowledge. Knowing the difference. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you, if you went to go buy a car and you headed out to the car lot, and I don't know if you've been to a car lot recently, mm-hmm. but the, literally the moment you get out of your car and start wandering through the parking lot... There's usually somebody that's locking eyes with you, walking over to you. Sure. If you said to that person, hey, I'm looking for a blue car that's got a nice ride and I want it good on fuel and like to have some nice tires and leather interior and and maybe some of the updated features. Maybe, Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe you want um, a sunroof. And that guy looked at you and said, hey, I got a blue car right here, period. I'm not sure what it has for power. It might be electric. <laughs> like there would be no value to right. that sales experience, right? Right, 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 right. So now the electric heat and forced air furnace with natural gas, I mean, that's just one tiny specific criteria. And I believe that most realtors would pick up on that. Sure. But if you were looking at a 1930s house downtown Kamloops on Battle Street, there could be some real glitchy problems there that may not be so obvious on first glance. Right. That could be very costly later. Like weird plumbing or... Plumbing. There strange could be electrical... Electrical issues. Yeah. There could be hazardous materials in that home. Mm-hmm. Um, there could be limiting factors for opening walls. You know, if you're walking through a home and you think, man, it's really boxy, I'd like to see this opened up. Well, the difference between opening up a home that's sort of modernly built with trusses... Mm-hmm could be a lot easier than opening up a home that was built in the early days, which is more conventionally framed. Oh. More complication to that. Did not know that. So how would, let's say, uh, someone's listening, they're like, okay, yeah, this is a great trait. How do you make sure that a realtor has this? How do you, if you are if you know less than they do, if I go, right. <laughs> the lay person. The lay person, the everyone person. Just a big dumb dumb. No, uh, like how do you vet this trait? That's a great question. A short quiz. I, I, I think you have to do your due diligence as a buyer. Mm-hmm. You need to, to discuss things with your with your agent or your mm-hmm. prospective agents. Get a sense of what they actually can handle. Get a feel for what they what they know. Because yeah. everybody's level of comfort is going to be different. And mm-hmm. I don't think you could say, like, just choose this guy every time. But mm-hmm. I would insinuate that it might be a good idea. Just choose me. <laughs> That's really what we're saying. That's really what we're saying. No, I mean, in in all honesty, like you need to do your due diligence as a as a buyer or a seller to make sure that you're being properly represented. I agree. Just to go back to product knowledge, mm-hmm. there was another area that I wanted to cover, and it was some people may say that's why you get a home inspection mm-hmm. to figure out those items. But it's going to be a lot more difficult to negotiate a change in the purchase price if the value is now perceived to be different 
after you have an accepted offer. Right. Yeah. In a contractual position mm-hmm. to say like, um, oh, I don't like this house as much as I did before because it's got this limiting characteristic that wasn't obvious to us. Mm-hmm. But thank goodness we had a home inspector educate us. Mm-hmm. But now we want to do something a little different with the price. It's like so far down the line by that point. You're so far. It would be nice to tick off those boxes early in the transaction. Yeah. 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 Totally. Sort of sets the stage properly. Mm -hmm. So having a realtor who used to be a home inspector might be a good idea. I know one in Washington. (laughs) I'm looking at one right now. Uh, Trait number three. Number three. And this is why you need a really good lay person in the background to keep you very organized. <laughs> uh, but attention to detail. Mm-hmm. This is a detail business that we are involved in. Yeah, a lot of details. The contracts get longer and longer every couple months. There's another paragraph, there's another sentence, there's mm-hmm. another meaning, there's another definition behind what wording in the contract says. Mm-hmm. So, to put it lightly, missing items on a contract, missing potential negotiation pieces, yeah, missing not reading in between the lines when there's a path sitting in front of you. Mm-hmm. For instance, if a property disclosure statement is disclosing something and you can kind of read in between the lines that that might not be the whole story. Oh, that's something you need to pick up on early in a transaction so that you're not trying to deal with that on closing. Uh, yeah. So on just a question, uh, property disclosure statements, which are essential for every real estate transaction, essential? Is it they, mandatory? They're not mandatory, but they are. Really? They are. It's an unwritten rule that we kind of all do them. It's an expectation. But you don't legally have to. I don't. Wow, I would have expected that to be a mandatory thing. Because, you know, if they ask, for those of you who haven't seen a property disclosure statement, it's like a series of specific questions about the property um, and uh, facets of of the construction, whether there's been problems, all kinds of sure. places to disclose. But but if there isn't a question about something specific and you answer everything on that on that form... But there still hasn't been uh, a specific question about what you know to be an issue with a house. Right. Like I know there's an area you can sort of add your own add your own information. But I guess I guess what I'm, the point I'm trying to make is that there is a gap between what's listed on a property disclosure statement and what like the full story of what a house has yeah. going on. And you have to you do there are lines you have to read between in I, the end. Realistically, the property disclosure statement is to the benefit of the seller. More so than the buyer. Okay. This is the get out of jail free card for a seller. Mm-hmm. So that when you are disclosing something, nobody's coming to sue you later. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you have a problem with your HVAC system and it's glitchy and you mention it to a potential buyer mm-hmm. early in the transaction where they've got full knowledge and they have the ability to do their due diligence on that particular item. Mm-hmm. They've set themselves free on liability on that particular item. I see. And it's worded in the contract so that everybody acknowledges this was disclosed and the buyer had the ability to do due diligence on whatever that characteristic may be. Okay, that makes a lot of sense knowing that 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 paperwork is really to the buyer uh, seller's benefit. Yeah. I, okay. I mean, there's some benefit to a buyer. Sure, of course, but like it, the main functions. I not. would think it's it's a it's a far better trait for the seller than it is the buyer. I mean, the buyer will, will read it in a lot of <laughs> Learn cases. From it, what I tell buyers when they're reading a property disclosure statement, if there's really nothing to disclose there, it doesn't mean there's nothing going on. It just means they don't feel like telling you about it. <laughs> right. It's still our job to go try and dig and <laughs> yeah. figure out, you know, if there's exactly. something more there. Totally. And I think that's maybe more the point I was trying to make. Okay. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Attention to detail. Great, great detail oriented personalities mm-hmm. um, will definitely help in, in a real estate transaction mm-hmm. to be really on point. There is there is some really detail oriented realtors um, in Kamloops mm-hmm. and there are some not so detail oriented. And I can tell you for 100% experience, 
being less detail oriented gets you into trouble and costs uh, you money all the time. I see. So there's like detail oriented and being thorough. Or there's a they kind of maybe go hand in hand. I think so. Okay. Yeah. I think if you have a good system, mm-hmm. you can you can automate your thoroughness. Mm-hmm. Is that a word? I yeah, sure. Thoroughness? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And I think well, let, let's bring value to the fact that if you do have an assistant, when the market gets busy and you're tested on multiple tasks every day, mm-hmm. you don't drop something between the lines. You have a second set of eyes, a second um, human being who's going to be catching any coins that drop through the fingers. <laughs> True. And, you know, thinking about it, not just about uh, the details of the house, but also details about that buyer and that client, that factor into you know how how it all goes maybe they've got kids and you, you like uh, yeah there's, there are details about the the specific client's life that will inform how you move through that transaction as well, well. i agree we're agreeing so much today this is an agreeing podcast <laughs> i'm impressed we should have a real we should find a topic that we just disagree on and we'll just complain and yeah we gotta hit record other. when we're really fighting yeah <laughs> Okay, you ready for uh, my fourth characteristic? Trait number four of a great. This is a this is a trait of a great real estate agent. Let's hit, let's have it. Uh, professionalism. Mm-hmm. I have some really good like examples on this one. Oh, do tell. Spill the tea. Uh, it's funny. We're I'm videoing this one and I'm wearing a white <laughs> t-shirt. But my <laughs> first characteristic is like you should be able to dress the part of as a real estate right, agent. Right. And I I'm not. I'm not saying that you you need to be wearing a tuxedo every time you go out to show a house, but mm-hmm. I do think that there's a level of professionalism that's expected in the industry. Mm-hmm. And as a podcaster right now, I think I'm I'm slipping a little bit. Well, in this moment, you're a podcaster, right? <laughs> so I should have a hat on backwards, or something. Be really but cool. I think you're right. It's it's a a job where you are entering other people's homes. Like you know, you want to look sharp and. Yeah, it doesn't have to be Armani every day, but there's a lot of um, books that are going to be judged by the the cover of the book. Right? A really good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So going along with those, there's a an example that I'd like to bring up: the question of whether or not you should decal your car and brand your vehicle with you as like a Parker Bennett. Yeah. I'm a realtor. Here I am. Right. Mm-hmm. There's pros and cons, and I've discussed this with many realtors. Mm-hmm. And there are one camp that says. I don't want to be associated with I don't I don't want the responsibility of of being liable for bad driving or bad oh, behavior on the road. Interesting. Uh-huh. So they want the freedom to be able to road rage. Oh, I hate this. Okay. Yeah. I think we've all <laughs> participated this. in road rage at some point or another, but I, I like the liability of that that's what keeps you accountable. In check. I Precisely. Right. Uh, yeah. People also don't road rage. It's not worth it. It is totally Just not like worth count it. to 10 and take a deep breath. Count to 10. But uh, interesting. I also think if you brand your vehicle you're, and you just go to the grocery store, I mean, I guess that could be a lead if somebody's like, hey, I'm looking for a realtor. That's the whole point. It's marketing. It's, it's a marketing, marketing move. Yep. Um, are, were you tying that to professionalism to say it's it's... Oh, I get it. The driving behavior. Yeah. You, ha- I mean, you do have to be professional. You have to be all professional outside of workday. Yeah. You know, you have to be professional when you're at the grocery store. You have mm-hmm. to be professional. You are like a walking billboard. Totally. For your brand and your business. Mm-hmm. And you need to maintain that level of expectation that the community needs to see. And other realtors too. Like if there's a realtor that's acting amok, it looks bad on all of us. Mm-hmm. We all need to stand together to raise the level of professionalism in our industry. Right. And so aside from um, like driving behavior and what you're wearing, <laughs> um, there's probably also factors. In, yes. How you treat your, um, your fellow realtors or clients or what have you. There was a um, discussion I had with another agent here recently, and I'm not going to put anybody on the spot, but there were some agents in our area that had fun early on in social mm-hmm. with showing videos of you complaining about your clients. Ooh. Which could be like a fun video to watch for sport, but what if totally. it was your realtor complaining about you? 
Exactly. Oh, God. I mean, as a viewer, I enjoyed the humor in it. <laughs> Highly entertaining. Because I could relate. Yeah. But I don't know if that would classify as good professional behavior. I, on the face of it, it sounds like it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, especially if there was anything too specific. I mean, I suppose even on this podcast, we're sharing anecdotes and totally. stories, facts, things that happen that in, you know inform your experience. But um, there's more. We have a lot of respect for the the clients. I feel like we yeah, have when when there's respect uh, maybe being there's a line that you don't yeah, cross. There's a line. And I think that comes with respect. Mm-hmm. So there's fun and playfulness and then there's like a line and then there's a professional level of respect that goes beyond that line. Yeah. So when we're negotiating, this is this is a war between two agents. Mm-hmm. Those two agents may have had the greatest relationship or the worst relationship over the years. Mm-hmm. And that war that's going on needs to stay professional. Absolutely. Because it there's no at no point should that ever affect the outcome on behalf of a client. Exactly. But I feel like, do you think it's maybe inevitable that those biases exist? I mean, I don't know that you have any like sort of any hot beef with anyone out there in the world, but but if Hypothetically, if Realtor A and Realtor B are like sworn enemies and they end up in a real estate transaction together, yeah. do you think there's a way like that it do you think that it's inevitable that that sort of spiciness um well, I, gets I, in gets into the deal somehow or is it I, is it is it just a switch you turn off and on? I believe it potentially does. Yeah. It's a I risk. Have, I have had heated discussions with agents and thankfully after that transaction or that discussion took place and there was like there was no more to be discussed on the matter mm-hmm. there was a time when we could sit down and say hey this is why i acted this way now that we're out of the heat yep we can sit down and say this is the position i was coming from this is why this happened this way and this is where i was coming from mm-hmm. and i think you grow as an agent listening to other agents talk like that mhm and I think your respect level rises. This is the exact situation that happened to me last year in this office. There was another agent got very heated. Um, there was going to be some in a deal got heated in or a deal okay. in a transaction. Yeah, mm-hmm. when we had multiple offers, and we you know we sat down and hashed it out at the end shortly thereafter. And I think we we both like each other more because of it. Probably it's a mature handling of like okay, acknowledging the situation and trying time, to gr- learn and grow from it. Time to move on. Yeah. You wouldn't want your client. What if your client, your next client is your best friend? Yeah. And they decide, hey, this is the property over here, Parker, I'd like to go take a look at. And you've just had a really unprofessional relation, you know, a transaction that took took place with that same agent on a different property. Mm-hmm. Who's losing in that transaction? Like if you, your best friend's not going to get the benefit of anything. Yeah, yeah, he's going to lose out. Which and that same cur- courtesy for your best friend should and would apply to a client who's a brand right. new to you totally. as well. It should, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, but to add the level of emotion, how how mm-hmm. how much of a turd would you feel <laughs> if um, your best friend was like, "Hey, why are they not looking at our offer? Why are we not getting any you know discussion right. about this?" And deep down inside, you know exactly why. It's because you've had a falling out with another agent and you couldn't handle it on a professional level. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, that somebody who's maybe very important to you on a personal level is now the is the it's innocent the, bystander yeah. of this totally. lack of professionalism. And it sounds to me then after talking this out that professionalism and communication sound very intertwined. These all go together. They do. They it's really like a, all, it's a tight knit. It's like a braid of traits. Oh, that's such good wording. Now I know why you're so popular <laughs> on this podcast. It's a braid. I hope that some of that tongue twisters rub off on you. Well, we can only hope. I'm kidding. Right. Number five. Okay, number five. In no particular order, right. obviously. Um, proactivity. Mm-hmm. And the best way that I can describe proactivity is you have a client who's looking for a very specific something that just isn't currently on the market. Mm-hmm. You got to go out and find it. Yep. You got to go beat down some doors. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember... I remember if you listen to this podcast, if you know me on a personal level, you'll know that I have a very big passion about hunting. Mm-hmm. And I carry a sat phone around with me when I'm hunting because 
this industry is terrible for disappearing. Right. <laughs> so you need to be in steady contact. And I was on the top of a mountain and I had a client reach out to our office and say, hey, there's these seven houses that I'm really interested in looking at. And this is before your time. Yeah. Tina was our assistant at the time. You know, Tina. And uh, Tina phoned me and she said, you know, this client that we, you know, we've been working with has seven houses that she found that she'd like to to take a look at. And I was like, that's great. But are these houses listed? No, none of them are listed. (laughs) So how did she find out about these houses? Oh, she just drove around and picked the seven that she liked the most. And I was like, okay, what do we do? That's Uh, proactive. So we start banging on doors. Yeah. We bang on doors, bang on doors, bang on doors. The last house that we 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 knocked on, which turned out to be her number one pick, like mm-hmm. this was her first choice. Okay, I hope she's listening. She yeah. does tune in the podcast. So I want to put her on a spot, but the the door opens. I'm standing there like a thug, <laughs> and I say, "I know this is a long shot, but I'm a real estate agent, and I have a client who's got a particular interest in your property." and with a blindfold on, I'm just, with faith, I'm knocking on your door to see if you're interested in selling your house and maybe there's something we can do. Yeah. And the girl, she says, uh, just give me a second. And she kind of closes the door lately. I think she's going to like call her husband to make sure that they, they grab a hockey stick or something <laughs> to shoo me away. And her husband shows up and he says, yeah, we were thinking about listing our house. Wow. And I said, wow. So fast forward, four months later, those clients moved into that house. Beautiful. It was insane how flawless that worked. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. That's proactivity. That is proactivity. And that is a proactive client as well. But that move of being like, okay, it's not on the market. Let's go find it. And yeah, you never know what's going to happen from asking a question here and there. If you will it, it will yeah. come. So, but you were at the beginning of that story, you were on top of a okay, mountain. Okay. I, I get where that, I try to drag <laughs> hunting in as many of these podcasts like, as I can. Did you... No, I was cut your trip short and come back into town. Or? No, that's not where it went. I, oh. I I got the call from our assistant and and we we put the plan into action. Got it. And then I called the client to let her know, please don't get your hopes up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like I went to bed that night and I woke up and I checked my messages on my sat phone and Tina's got a message already and she's like, hey, like these seven people, like we're we're pushing forward with. Letters and <laughs> knocking on there. You might want to get back here. And <laughs> get rocking good. on Very this. good. So, I don't know. It was an insane story. <laughs> it wasn't the only time that's happened, though. Right. Like, that's happened multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, my very first transaction um, as a real estate agent was a door knock that turned into a buyer. And, and it was just such a great a, a great storyline for, mm-hmm. you know, future business. But And it's a fairly common, I don't know if it's fairly common, but I've seen it happen where uh, like you can, you know, a client wants to live in a particular complex. You just like mail a letter or drop a letter totally. off in yeah. every single mailbox and yeah, hope for the, you never know until you ask. Totally. So, And I think proactivity, I mean, just to come away from actually finding right. a house that's sure. not on the market, but I think there's a lot more that can be done, you know, keeping tabs on, what's going on in the marketplace and chatting with other real estate agents just to say like, Hey, you know, what do you have for buyers right now? What are your buyers looking for? Mm -hmm. Maybe somebody's buyer who's quietly sitting on the sidelines is looking for a waterfront property on Nicola Lake. And you just know that there's a family on Nicola Lake who's been toying with the idea and chatting with you about selling. And Mm -hmm. you can start to get that process moving and rocking. And next thing you know, you have a, a happy buyer, a happy seller, two happy real estate agents and a happy transaction. And, that's what it's all about. Totally. Yeah. And that proactivity, even extending to keeping in touch with your clients, like, keeping you know, because you said someone sitting on the sidelines, like, well, you don't really want anyone on the sidelines, but no. I guess um, that attitude of even just keeping in touch with people and seeing what their needs are is, that's pro, yeah. pro-action, <laughs> proactivity as well. Proactivity. If you're a real estate agent, mm-hmm. this proactivity thing is going to be like your, your, life or death scenario because if you're sitting back waiting for buyers and sellers to just fall in your lap and flop around and smack you in the face and say, (laughs) take me to this one house and we'll buy it. Yeah. You're going to starve. Yeah. And like, especially with, as the market has changed over the last year. It's a great example of what we'll see who's being proactive right now Mm -hmm. as real estate agents. And there's that story 
I've, I've mentioned it a number of times on the podcast, uh, the difference between an aggressive and, uh, let's say, a, a, an aggressive real estate transaction to a passive real, real estate transaction mm-hmm. where the market is hot and buyers are everywhere and there's not many listings available. Yeah. All you need to do is sit back on that real estate sign and you're just in the right place. It's going to happen right. for you. We flipped the script now. Buyers are nowhere to be found. There's not many of them cruising around in the in the um, it, it, at the open houses. Like it's yeah. thinned out. Yeah, it's a buyer's market now. To be a buyer, you, you have power. You have leverage in the transaction. Mm-hmm. So now you have to be very aggressive about you know locating buyers and finding properties for them. Mm-hmm. It's a different market than we were just came out of. Totally. So that trait is more and more important. Monster important. Number six. Number six. The sixth trait of a great real estate agent. I would say negotiating skills. Yeah. How do we negotiate? You start high, I go low, <laughs> yeah. we meet in the middle. That's yeah. garbage. <laughs> doesn't work that way. How does it work, Parker? Well, everybody wants to win mm-hmm. in negotiations. Mm-hmm. And people have, I'm not saying everybody, but the instinct, extinction, extinction. In, instinct? The instinct. <laughs> oh, what a tongue twister. Yeah. Yeah. I think the first inclination people have is that if I don't get my number, I'll, I lose. Mm-hmm. If I don't get my dates, then I've lost the, the, the negotiation. Mm-hmm. And as real estate agents, we don't want to just be an intermediate person in that transaction. We don't want to just hear what the buyer has to say and relate it to the seller. Right. We have to try to come together. I know the word win-win gets overused, Mm -hmm. but lots of times there are situations where there is a potential for something very different to occur in a transaction that puts smiles on all kinds of people's faces. Mm -hmm. And it's not just a matter of like low ball and we'll, you know, if we come up a little bit, that's a win for us. And if you're the seller, you know, Start high, make your house overprice your house so that when someone comes low, them you know, and you meet in the middle, it's kind of what I wanted to accept, anyways. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work that way. And also, there's I've talked about this lots because I'm like very passionate about the idea of leverage. Yeah, there's say it again. Leverage. Yeah, <laughs> but there's there's a teeter totter that you're on, and in every transaction, that teeter totter sways back and forth between the buyer and the seller. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to be, as a real estate agent, you have to be very aware of where that teeter-totter is because if you are representing a buyer and you are on the low side of the leverage of that teeter-totter and you start asking for too many things all at once, mm-hmm. you're going to fall off. Right. And, and so you have to be aware of where the teeter-totter is. Not only that, if you're at the top of the teeter and you do have all the leverage, you can be a little more aggressive Mm-hmm. You can negotiate a little harder. Yeah. You can make a bigger win for your client. Mm-hmm. And I don't think negotiation is all something you read in a book. Mm-hmm. I think there is a little bit of it that's got to come from inside. You have to <laughs> practice it. It's a skill set that you have to play with. Yeah. And um, I think that as real estate agents, we don't get taught negotiating skills. We don't have courses that say, hey, this is how you negotiate. Really? I don't think you could. I feel like that would be something I would find in a real estate handbook. handbook. But again, Page I'm not three. a realtor. <laughs> Paragraph one. Um, How so, to lowball. Yeah. So if it's, I mean, I don't want to ask you what all the secrets are, but really, like, what is it about then? It's about like reading the situation, knowing when to give information or hold information back, yeah. not omit it to the point of like, being culpable for something, but like waiting for the right moment to ask or give. Yeah. You have to be able to, I mean, it, this all goes together, right? Understanding your product and Mm -hmm. being a strong communicator and understanding the the market's doing. Exactly. So you, you need to be able to read the situation and be creative enough to not take advantage of people. However, you need to be able to, you need to be able to achieve the outcome for your client. Right. So let me give an example. Uh, this is a creative example. I, I sure hope my buddy listens to this. He's a real <laughs> estate agent too. This is a scenario that he did. Okay. Uh, he wanted to build a house 
and he had a specific lot that he had located and wanted to to buy. But the the access was no good. And it was just about like going back and forth with price so that he could you know get the property low enough that he could create better access, like put more money into making a better access to the lot. Got it. Like the, the road inside. in. The road in. Okay. Yeah. And so as he was going back and forth, I mean, from a distance, I was just listening in the background of what was going on in this transaction. And I was like, man, I gave up on that lot. This, that, that access is terrible. But he did come up with a great solution. Mm-hmm. He negotiated a, an easement on a neighboring parcel of land that allowed him to have really good, far better access to the property. Mm-hmm. And that's really a good negotiating tactic. And I actually admire that skill set when he, you know, when he told me, he was like, hey, this is what we did. I was like, man, that is a great idea. Thinking outside the box. Thinking outside the box, not just drilling people and trying to drive home a very particular item that may be important to your buyer or seller. Right. Where like this, the outcome was still achieved, but without the the path um, that might have been the most obvious. Yeah. Um, Because that wasn't going anywhere. (laughs) Interesting. Here's here's another example. I know this happens a lot. This is a good tool um, in a market that's going down. So the market we're in right now, we're we're probably nearing the bottom. We've we've kind of acknowledged that's my position on this market, Mm -hmm. but there might be more room. But let's say we were back three months. The market is falling. Every month we're getting stats that's telling us, you know, we dropped another percent, percent and a half, whatever. Yeah. And you have a particular buyer that needs to sell their home before they can purchase one. And the leverage is not on their hand in, in this particular situation because if they make an offer to buy a home, they still have to sell their home. They don't have a lot of leverage in that scenario. Uh-huh. So they go ahead and they make an offer on a property. They get an accepted offer. It's subject to the sale of their property. And now you're sitting waiting Mm-hmm. You're in a big wait situation for your property to sell in order to make these two transactions move. Right. And after 30 or 60 days, realistically, both properties have dropped in value. But the seller of the property that you've made an offer on, he's in a win situation because you negotiated 30, 60 days out. So you've you've negotiated a, a value from 60 days ago in a, in a falling market. Right. In this situation... The seller will win if your house sells, but the problem is, is because the market's dropping, the buyer needs to drop the price of his property mm-hmm. or her property mm-hmm. in order to to get action. And it's a stalemate. Nobody really wants to drop their pants in this deal, right? Right. But if you both renegotiated a new price, so the seller drops a little bit with good faith that the the buyer is going to drop a little bit, so everybody is dropping a little bit to stay in the game in the market. Mm-hmm. It's a really great creative solution mm-hmm. um, to solve a problem of a stalemate when you when you're in a situation like that. This is one that I just dragged out of my yeah. head. Yeah. It's a good one. Well, and every situation will be different, right? Like every there every scenario will have a, a different factor that you might be able to use. Yeah, and sometimes a, a new agent will come into the to the industry and let's say they're representing a seller, mm-hmm. and you as a real estate agent is representing a buyer, and you bring them an offer. And they get all giddy on the phone. And yeah, I think my client will take that. You know, like, we'll get right back to you. It's, it's, it's really not a good negotiating tactic. <laughs> it's too transparent, too it's, excitable. It's a, it's a little intermediary. Like, you're just being an intermediate person. Yeah. But um, anyways, the, it does happen. Mm-hmm. That probably happened to me when I was started, too. When you're the new hot shot. Got to yeah. learn the ropes. Got to learn the ropes the yeah. hard way. There was a guy named Vince Reddy. He was actually in the news recently because he's a he's a lawyer. He's a mediator, and he back in the nineties he he negotiated a lot of government union um, contracts. Mm-hmm. I remember the teachers union had a major strike years and years ago. Maybe that was in the two thousands, early two thousands, and there was a uh, the nurses union. They they went on strike too, mm-hmm. and there was a anyways. Vince Reddy was like this mediator that was brought in to negotiate government versus union. And he he put on some courses uh, over the years. Mm-hmm. I was fortunate enough to take a course. It was a negotiating course. It was through a union uh, program that's offered at uh, Harrison Hot Springs every year. Uh, this is mm-hmm. years ago. But it was a great course. And 
what you did in that course was you negotiated like 50 times in the, the course of like seven days. Yeah. So you were presented a situation and you're like, Hey, this is your client's situation. And you don't know what the other situation is going to be. And basically you negotiated with another student in this matter. And there was pieces of that that you had to win. And it all started out at the very beginning. It was like the same for everybody. Yeah. Like you want this? No, I'm not willing to move. Okay. Well, that's fun until someone doesn't get paychecks. Right. And money runs out and Mm -hmm. time gets exhausted and relationships get ruined Mm -hmm. and you now are negotiating in bad faith. Right. Yeah. So what this course taught me was the, the ability to try and twist outside of very specific things that somebody wants. For instance, I need this amount of money to pay this amount of debt before I'm willing to sell my house. Mm-hmm. At the surface level, that seems black and white. Pretty, yeah. Direct. You need 570 to grand to not only pay your mortgage, to pay your visa and your MasterCard and your car payment so <laughs> that you can go buy another house, yeah. whatever it may be, right? Yeah. But that's just not the end of the story. Mm-hmm. There can be so many other things in there that can be done. For instance, <coughs> take for instance again. For instance, maybe you're able to sell some furniture in that transaction. Oh. Maybe you're able to include. I mean, I don't want to say you can include a vehicle in a, in a transaction because your mortgage payment is not covering a car right. <laughs> But there might be there might be somewhere along the lines where maybe some prepaid taxes are done for you, mm-hmm. or maybe there is a way to um, transfer a mortgage in from that maybe have a better rate to the new buyer. So the buyer is actually paying more, but they're going to get a lower interest rate because they're maybe assuming your mortgage. Oh, yeah. And maybe that translates into getting the monthly payment into a certain area so that they win mm-hmm. their monthly payment program. In the long haul. <laughs> and the seller gets to pay off the car that he's indebted to. I, don't, I mean, I don't know. There's a million scenarios where you just got to think more than just A and B. There yeah. has to be a D, C, E, F, G. There's got to be more to the story. Got it. And I think that's what makes real estate fun. Ooh, interesting take. Right? Yeah. Trying to be creative that way. Yeah. Anyways. Negotiating. Negotiating. Super important. Learn it. Mega important. <laughs> Shall we move on to the seventh and final trait? Well, well and arguably it's not an all-inclusive list. Yeah. <laughs> but for today. These are the points that I picked out as being big ones. And yeah. I, I saved this one for the last, mm-hmm. because if you're listening to the podcast, you would have to get patience to get to this point. <laughs> but it's patience. Patience and empathy. Good one. Two big words for, yeah, I like those. That appeals to me. Most transactions do take time. Negotiation takes time. Communicating takes time. Mm-hmm. Communicating takes empathy. Have we ever talked about the difference between empathy and sympathy? You and I? Yeah. Uh, I don't know that we have. I think it's good to just talk about it. Okay. I wouldn't say I knew this my whole life. The difference? The difference. Right. I don't think so. But maybe if someone's listening to this, educate someone, they're great, then they get to the next level. Empathy being? Empathy being understanding a problem that someone's having mm-hmm. sympathy is like sympathizing that problem from afar from a distance yeah that's sort of how i see it too i like don't know if I, we probably don't need to go look up the actual definitions but yeah empathizing has more to do with like putting yourself in someone's shoes and trying to see it from their perspective and like it's a closer yeah to be able to see it through someone's eyes yeah where sympathy is sort of like i'm over here looking at your situation and there's like almost a pity element yeah i think implied imagine adding that to a negotiation where you're representing a buyer the seller says to you the seller's agent says to you yeah we're not getting under 550 we're not going any lower on the surface that's just a number it's kind of a close conversation mm-hmm but imagine asking why, especially yeah. if you didn't think it was worth five fifty as a buyer. Why does he want five fifty? Why does your client want five fifty? I said he could be she. Why do they want five fifty for that property? Give us a reason. 
and they might have the most ridiculous reason ever. It could be that their neighbor told them that 550, they shouldn't go under 550. Sure. Well, I can work with that. Yeah. I can understand why you wouldn't want you, you lose faith to your neighbor. Sure. But good news is if you sell this for 540, you're not going to have to deal with that <laughs> nosy neighbor anymore, right? And it might also illuminate like some, yeah, something bigger going on. There's like little limiting mm-hmm. factors that, little hiccups that maybe you can work on from a different angle. Yeah. So taking the time to explore what someone's bringing to their what factors into somebody else's perspective is, yeah, a lot of a lot more understanding can come from that than just yeah. okay, taking the answer and moving on. Yeah, digging a little deeper, investigating a bit, investigating a bit, and I caring. Like there's a caring element to patience and empathy. No, you don't have to care if you're. Oh, I'm <laughs> <laughs> just oh, kidding. My bad, my mistake. <laughs> yeah, no, there's a caring factor for sure. I I would, anyways. That's me, but that's that's why you get that's why you get more likes than. Me. <laughs> There's just a higher level of, I'm totally kidding. (laughs) Not about the likes though, you actually do. No, I think there is a, I think that's super valid. I think when I think about representing buyers, sometimes they might seem to be a little erratic, Mm -hmm. but I don't understand maybe, it's just that I don't understand where they're coming from. Yeah. If I knew better what their intent was, Mm -hmm. we could maybe communicate stronger to know what it is that I'm trying to find. Mm Mm-hmm for them, how that pricing is, is going to be a limiting factor for them. Maybe why it is so important to have a garage yep. or a rec room or, you know, a fireplace, something that might not be as important to me representing a buyer. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Hey, this house works great. You know, finally you showed us one that's re- where's the fireplace. Uh, it doesn't have one. Well, that's not going to work. No, oh, we can add a fireplace. <laughs> Knowing your product, we can put one in. Ah. And that's only going to cost you like X amount. Yeah. So just set the bar for me. Let me know what I have to achieve to make it work. And really that does come all the way back around to communication and taking the time and like prioritizing the time to get to know. Uh, like communicating is one thing, but also listening to what the other person is saying is the other half of that coin so that you can learn something and use it and be informed and educated as a, I guess, as a realtor, but also as a person. As a person. (laughs) If you you can nail all these seven things, you're going to get one thing from your clients, which is going to be trust. Totally. And I recently posted this very article that we're chatting about today on a Facebook post. And there was a number of my past clients that reached out to to make super nice gestures to me about these characteristic traits. Mm -hmm. Most saying that you have them. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for that. It feels so good to know that people see that. Mm -hmm. And uh, if they're listening, I I definitely want to thank them. Hats off. Totally. That's very kind. Seven traits. Seven traits. Seven traits that'll help you. Of an exquisite real estate agent. Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Hey, thanks for joining in on uh, my little tableau of seven traits. Join us next week as we talk about something super rad and interesting. (laughs) Can't tell you what it is yet. Nope, it's a secret till then. Might be creepy crawlies, but just giving a little hint. Mm -hmm. Thanks, guys. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the Kamloops Real Estate Insider Podcast. Subscribe wherever you listen to get new episodes delivered right to your feed. And we want to hear from you. Send comments and questions to parker at royallepage.ca or reach out on Instagram at pbrealestater. Estater.